0: the default and termination provisions of a franchise agreement might be might seem heavy-handed it's because um, the franchisor really needs to protect what they've built and that's for them but it's also for all of the franchisees that are part of the system as well welcome
1: to Frank coach's franchising 101 podcast series here we talk about all things franchising what is it all about is it for you how do you find the best one to own and so much more now your host Tim Parmeter. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to FranCoach's Franchising 101 podcast series. I am Tim Parmeter, founder and CEO of Fran Coach, and your podcast host. Today, we have a guest in the house. Well, you know, the virtual house. Um, and we're going to talk about some of the legalities to consider when looking at a franchise, including the often intimidating franchise disclosure document or the FDD, Um, we're a week or so away from halloween so if we're going to have something scary this is the perfect time and the ftd can very definitely come across um, that way even though it is mostly a very harmless piece of the process in the grand scheme of things um, but once you know what you are dealing with with the ftd and the franchise uh, agreement you kind of realize that it's just a piece of the puzzle not the piece of the puzzle or nothing to be scared of. And today's episode is designed to help educate everyone on that topic. But before we tell you that story, we have to of course tell you this one. Franchise Coach is a national search firm dedicated to working with individuals who are interested in owning a franchise. We are partnered with over 500 of the top franchisors in the country, spanning nearly 60 industries. Our goal is to help clients find the absolute best franchise for them to own. And our goal of the Franchising 101 podcast series is to help educate people on all aspects of franchise ownership. Okay, so that is a bit about us. Now let's get to our guest. Um, So here with us today is Ms. Amanda Dempsey. And Amanda is an attorney and shareholder with Kent Franchise Law Group. Amanda, thanks for joining us today.
0: Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for having me.
1: You are uh, it's our, our pleasure to have you join us. And um, the uh, your firm has the words franchise law, so we are gonna pummel you with questions about that. So hope you're hope you're ready for hope you're ready to be on the stand, Amanda. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cross examine the heck out of you. So f- first off, the heck with all the franchise law stuff. Who? Look who's who's Amanda. Give us a little. Tell us who the heck we're talking to.
0: <laughs> I am ready. I am ready for that. Um, sure thing. So uh, again, my name's Amanda Dempsey. I uh, the firm is Kent Franchise Law. We are located um, in the Philadelphia metro area. So I'm actually, um, you know, born and raised in Southern New Jersey. Live there now, and our firm is in suburban PA. So we're kind of all over the Philly area. Um, and I've been practicing franchise law for about 10 years now, um, largest, you know, pretty much almost all of my career. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I've been working with the same team for about that time. And, uh, we specialize in all areas of franchise law.
1: Well, so, so, so let's get, let's go a bit to the way back machine here first. So (laughs) what, why, what, what prompted you to become an attorney?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. you know, I was, so I, I went to undergrad, I was a psychology major business, uh, business minor. um, you know, really enjoyed college and did the whole liberal arts thing was not really sure kind of where I wanted to end up. Um, but I had a, a nice kind of friend and mentor, um, family friend and mentor who said, okay, well, you know, come work for me then if you don't really know what you want to do. You know, you're 22 and you graduated college, did pretty well. Um, I could use you. And if you like what you're doing here, then, um, you know, you can work here. So I went to work for a private equity company in Philadelphia. Um, They were a real estate company a commercial real estate company um in the PE space. And I was, yeah, I mean, I was working there and then the bottom fell out of the mortgage industry. <laughs> uh, so I just started thinking about next steps. And she was an attorney and she said to me, you know, I, I think you'll be really good at it. You know, you're doing a great job in the department. And you know, maybe when you go to school, once you get out, um, you know, we'll be hiring again and you can come back work back to work here. Um, and that didn't really happen. Uh, they were not really, uh, you know, back to hiring about, at a, you know, about the time that I graduated three years later. So um, I just, you know, I started working other jobs, but it was, um, but, you know, I'd, I'd gone to law school and she was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, there's so much of my psychology background that I use um, counseling my clients really every day. So I, I really love that part of it. And it makes a lot of sense for me. Um, And I knew that I didn't want to be a litigator. That wasn't in my wheelhouse. So um, I went into corporate law and I had the background in real estate. Um, So I was working, you know, a job as a general corporate practitioner and, um, you know, a partner joined our firm that had worked in franchising his whole career and had a, you know, general practice in franchise law. And he for an M&A deal on my desk on day one and said, can you help with this? And I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here I am all these years later, you know, working in franchise law still. So.
1: I think the most people that are in franchising and for people that are outside of it, and I'm sure you were the same way as me. I, I didn't know the first thing thing about franchising before you just think, oh, franchisers, McDonald's. You, you, just, just a tad bit more than that. Um, and you kind of like dumb lucked your way into it. And I, I love dumb luck because that's kind of how I got into it as well all those years ago As uh, for, for me too. So it, um, and then like most people, once they get into it, like it, it's, uh, there's so many different <laughs> pathways. Um, I saw one of our franchise partners earlier today had posted um, like for, for some jobs and they were looking, you think, you know, franchising and franchise owner or being a franchisor, like they were literally l- looking for marketing help within their, within their brand. Right. So you could be rolling out of school with a marketing degree, not know a thing about franchising. And next thing you know, you got a whole career from a marketing standpoint and you've done that from a legal perspective. And and so very, very cool. Um, so the whole goal of our franchising one-on-one podcast is to very simply help people get educated on all things about franchising big part of the process um, is the the legal side of it. And there's this little document that comes along as folks are vetting out franchises called the Franchise Disclosure Document or the FDD. And it is, you know, pretty light reading, 200 or so pages of uh, riveting legal ease. Um, and can be a little intimidating and a little overwhelming when you first get one of these. So um, Amanda, kind of just Help help us understand what the heck is the FDD and why is this thing important to the process?
0: Sure. So I'm glad you asked because I think that unfortunately the FDD gets a bit of a bad rap in the franchising space. Um, And I think, you know, like you said, it's largely probably due to the size of them. And I think many people look at them as a bit of a barrier because there are, um, there's rules around the disclosure and the waiting times and stuff like that. So I would say, um, you know, while it looks really daunting when you get that large packet of paper delivered to you, um, to me, it's really important that people review the FDD and all of the attachments, which includes the franchise agreement. So just talk to you a little bit about kind of what they are and why they're useful. So, um, the FDD is actually supposed to be written in, um, In plain English, and it's supposed to interpret many parts of the offering that might be more confusing in the franchise agreement, which is the legal document that you sign. So um, it's a formulaic document, it has 23 items, and each of those items are the same um, from system to system. With the idea that, um, let's say you were comparing uh, two different business opportunities that you might want to buy, two different franchises. Um, you would put those, you know, put those two documents side by side and compare the item one, the information in item one to in one system to the information in item one in the next system. So you could kind of easily compare the information and um, it'll help you make a decision basically um, between the systems that you're looking at. So uh, as I said, the 23 items there are all the same regardless of Uh, which brand you're looking at. Um, Obviously, the information in them is different, but the title of each is going to be the same and the information that's required in each item is going to be the same in the system. Um, And, you know, it just, they include information that the FTC believes to be relevant for people to look at when they're going to be buying into a system, right? Um, And I can, you know, go through many things, but it's the business experience of, of the franchise, who it's owned by, whether there's been any significant relevant litigation or bankruptcy history, um, the fees that you're gonna have to pay at various points throughout the relationship. Um, in some cases, the financial performance of the units that exist, um, the number of units that exist, uh, the contact information for all the franchisees that are part of the system, right? So, all of that is required information. And the goal of it is really um, to make it like a consumer protection. Um, document, right? So for the person that's buying it, this is the information that the franchisor has to provide to you. And they have to provide it in a way that you can understand. And so if you do your homework and you read it, um, you'll know a lot about the system from having read it. Um, So I think, you know, if you look at it in that way that it's supposed to be, I look at it like a sales brochure, you know, I mean, it's a very long one, but it includes all the information that you would want to know before you, you know, decide to go on this new business adventure that you're thinking about. Um, So that's the FDD. The franchise agreement is the legal document that binds you once you, you know, once you decide to purchase it, right? So it's a little bit more difficult to read through because it does have some more, you know, legalese language, generally speaking. Um, But the information matches the information that's in the FDD. So um, a lot of what I do as an attorney um, that specializes in franchising is I help people navigate these two documents, right? So, you know, you get a 250 page FDD on your desk and you say, I don't know where to start. Um, and so, um, me, you know, being the person that generally writes these on behalf of my clients, um, you know, I go through it with people and kind of explain to them uh, certain important parts that, you know, I find to be relevant when you're purchasing and kind of help them get through the document in a way that makes sense.
1: Awesome. awesome. The, um, and I want to talk about kind of what that review looks like um, for, for somebody because we do, um, I mean, not everybody, but there's a, a lot of folks that want, want that legal review to make sure that they're not missing anything because most people have never seen a franchise disclosure document before or a franchise agreement before. Um, one of the things we'll hear a lot is, especially when, when somebody's reading the first one. Um, is some of the language in those, those 23 items um, can sound a little harsh, uh, but a lot of it is just kind of brand protection, right? Is is I always tell people, like, if you're coming in as a franchise owner and you're going to be the person that messes up everything that they're asking you to do or ignoring everything they're asking you to do, then some of that harsh language is at you, right? If you're the one that's going to be, like, the, the model franchise owner and building this great business for yourself you don't want some other joker coming in there to mess mess that up, right? We don't subway owners can't all of a sudden start selling shoes and I, <laughs> I, I I don't know, whatever, right? Like it's it's sandwiches. We 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 get it. So um some of that is you know obviously for the franchise owner, but some of it is really protection for that person as a new franchise owner, knowing that like the, the they're having that brand consistency in the entire tenure that they're a franchise owner. Right. So is that is that a pretty accurate thing for people to think of as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I do get those comments often that, you know, oh, this FGD and franchise agreement are really drafted to protect the franchisor. And there's not a whole lot in here about what my protections are as the franchisee. Um, and, you know, to a certain extent, that's, that's probably accurate criticism um, of of the the documents that that generally exist, I would say, that are industry standard. But I think, you know, you're kind of hitting it on the head. The the point of, of all of that and the reason why there are so many protections um, for the system is that it, it does actually protect the franchisees because it creates, the franchisor creates a system, they create um, uniformity when that, within that system, and then that becomes, you know, their brand name, what they're known for, right? And then, and it's the franchisor's job to protect that. The way they protect that is to require franchisees to operate within those system standards that they, um, prescribe. And, and, you know, they vary between, as you said, the types of, um, products and services that can be sold from the franchise business. Um, also, you know, the trademarks, the trade dress and how they're able to be used, um, the marketing standards. There's so many different things that play into that, that brand that's, you know, it's, it's sandwiches, but it's also, you know, the way that that sandwich, the way that it looks inside this inside the subway, right inside the um, inside the restaurant. So it's all of that is how the franchisor protects its franchisees and how, you know, it gives them value in creating that uniformity so that, you know, you're hitting uh, that same type of restaurant in maybe five different states and you still get that same feeling um, when you go in. So that's really the intent behind um a lot of those provisions and and why you know uh the default and termination provisions of a franchise agreement might be might seem heavy handed it's because um the franchisor really needs to protect what they've built and that's for them but it's also for all of the franchisees that are part of the system
1: as well yeah and and if you aren't interested in Brand standards and consistency, um, then franchising probably isn't for you. You need to just go start, you know, you know Tim and Amanda's sandwich shop and (laughs) and wing it and and see how well that 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 works out, right? So, um, so somebody gets the FDD, they're they're kind of narrowing it down. They know what franchise they they think they want to do. They're looking through the agreement, but they're like, this is this is too much for me. I'd really like somebody to kind of do a review of this. Obviously, that's one of the things you and your firm do. What's maybe kind of give everybody an idea? What's if we set a franchise uh, agreement or FDD review? um, What what are some of the things you're going to do for somebody? And what's kind of the timeline for that?
0: Yeah, sure. So typical engagement um, with that assignment generally um, takes about five, between I would say five to seven business days from when we get started. And um, what we do is we take that document that was supplied to you by the franchisor. Um, we read it cover to cover, believe it or not. Um, and we provide what I like to call a review letter or a comment letter. And it's, it's you know, generally between uh, 10, and 15 pages. Um, and it hits kind of all of the high points of uh, both the FDD and the franchise agreement. Now, obviously not everything's going to be covered in 15 pages, but generally um, what we look for are, things that are maybe out of the ordinary given our experience in the franchise industry. so we'll definitely highlight those. Um, we'll also highlight things that are very industry standard but that we've we've found have been points of contention over the years for our clients. So you know areas where our clients, despite having read everything, are confused or surprised when those things come up, right So we're going to be highlighting, some of those industry standard things that are maybe not what people expect, um, at the outset. And just, just so that people are aware that, you know, these are the, these are some things that you're going to need to comply with and things you might not have thought about. Um, and then the other thing I really try to do is I try to highlight some of the things, um, in the franchise agreement that I think don't really get a, a whole lot of attention in the FDD. So, They're in the franchise agreement. Maybe they're in, you know, a late section. People stop reading at that point, but they're really important things. Um, And so I try to make sure that I highlight those for um, prospects so that they're not really just looking at the happy things and glossing over some of the harder things. Um, So that's kind of what the review letter looks like. And we will, during that process, make recommendations of, um, you know, if we think there are things that they should ask for um clarity on or if there are things that we think they should request uh some, you know, some changes from the franchise or some additional support or something like that. Um we will make those recommendations in the comment letter. And then, you know, from there we'll, you know, after you the client has had a chance to review our letter, if they have any questions about any specific points or um depending on the industry, there may be some industry specific things that they want to discuss with us. Um, you know, we'll set up some calls to the client to make sure that all their, their questions are answered.
1: It's it's all most of these things, as you mentioned, they all look the same. It's all regulated by the FTC. There's only so much like variance that can be in these. But again, when you're thinking about I'm I'm going to invest, you know, uh, it, it, whatever the amount of money is, it's it's that person's money. Money um, that they are not missing anything, and to really being able to give people that peace of mind is awesome. So. Um, Yeah,
0: that's absolutely the goal. I mean, there are some things that, you know, maybe may be considered risky for one person and the other person, you know, knows about them and doesn't care, you know, so it's, it's, it's really everybody's individual um, risk tolerance. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there are times when, you know, there's a new concept falls on my desk and, you know, I'm I'm telling the client, you know, this is a brand new concept that's not really proven. And they're saying to me, oh, no, no, like I'm fine with that. I got that. And I'm, you know, that's you know, they want to get in at the ground floor and they, right. you know, they have a passion for it. And, and that's fine. I'm not there to tell them to do it or not do it. It's just, you know, my job is to make them aware of things that maybe are somewhat risky or somewhat different um, in the system than others. Uh, and just, you know, let them make the decision uh, about, you know, what's best for them and and how they can kind of you know, be their own boss.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. No, very cool. Um, so the other side of this that I know you and and your firm work on is for the franchisors or for a business that is thinking about, man, I I think I've got a great concept. I would like to turn that into a a, a franchise, right? So, um, and, uh, and let, let's be honest, the majority of what we do with Fran Coach and our podcast is more helping people become franchise owners, but we've had a handful of folks, um, one of which I'm pretty darn sure you've worked with, um, that have been podcast listeners that are like, I got a cool business. I want to turn it into a franchise. Now what? Um, so in, if somebody's out there that's kind of in that position, thinking about becoming a franchise, franchise. or what are some tips you might say, okay, now you've got to begin to formulate your franchise disclosure document, your franchise agreements. Um, talk about some of the things that you help folks with on that end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of work with emerging franchise brands, um, and we represent brands. So I should say we represent brands really of all sizes. Um, so we represent emerging franchise brands, but a large, you know, a large part of what we do every day is working with middle market um, clients, you know, throughout the U.S. and and also internationally. So. We have tons of experience doing that, and um, I actually really love working with emerging brands because um, just the the spirit of new of a new entrepreneur kind of walking through the door and just showing me their cool new idea and how it's going to be the next big thing. I mean, there's just something so electric about that. So um, it's one of kind of the the more fun things that I do um, as part of our job, but. Yeah. So, I mean, what we do for those clients is, you know, people will come to us and, you know, they may have multiple company-owned units or they may just have one, um, but they want to turn their business into a franchise. So, I mean, we explain to them basically the param- The very first step is just to explain to them the parameters of, of the model and the things that they're going to have to comply with. Um, as I'm sure you know, there are states that require pre-registration of the FDD, so we make sure that we go over those sales requirements with them right off the bat so that they're not, you know, saying things they shouldn't say to leads that they might be getting. Because um, believe it or not, most people come to us because they've gotten some questions about, you know, do you, is this business a franchise I'd like to buy one or something like that. So we really do have to hit those sales-related questions right at the top so that, you know, everyone's aware that they shouldn't be making... Um, certain, you know, sales-related disclosures from the beginning um, until their FDD is complete. And then we go through like what I like to call like a discovery process with them. Um, We sit down with a bunch of questionnaires that ask tons and tons of questions about all the information that's required in the FDD. And so we help them basically either compile that information, either they may have it and they give it to us, or we help them kind of Um, put it together based upon the you know historical data that's available from their existing locations, and we build out that FDD and that franchise agreement that's specific for them. So that process can take you know, depending on how far along the client is. I mean, I would say probably the fastest it can be done is maybe like two weeks to thirty days, but most of them take somewhere between thirty and ninety days to finish. Um, And that just it's really just dependent on how much information is already really available for us and how much we have to kind of put together. Um, so that's really the first step from the legal perspective. It's just to, to get the documents in order, and I find that that process really um, gets the client thinking about the system as a whole, right? And you know how they want to run the system if they don't already have a system in place. Because some of them do, even though it may just be for company-owned units, they already have some type of system that they're following. Um, so it's really a big discovery process for them. And uh, we help them through that based upon, you know, some of basically our experience over the years and, and what it's for their clients. Um, and then, you know, we really do a deep dive on their business and what's been working for them. And then how we systemize that, you know, how we replicate that with the, with the units that they're going to sell. So that's also like a big part of the process is just seeing how we're going to be able to replicate the success they already have
1: it's it's amazing how much goes into taking you know tim's sandwich shop and turn it into tim's franchise um and and i think the biggest thing just from from that little overview which i don't know you maybe touched on one tenth of one percent of everything that you're really going to do for those franchisors as as they're as they're getting launched um the absolute biggest thing, and I know you have, I've, I've seen it before where franchise new businesses turn it into a franchise. They're like, no, no, I can do it. Right. Um, you know, I, I took that one business law class in college 25 years ago. <laughs> I, I can do my own F, FD. I mean, there was, I saw one maybe about six months ago, and it was somebody that was trying to like, wanted to kind of partner with us on, on you know, being one of the brands that we work with. And I looked through their FDD, and I'm telling you, there were multiple typos, and I don't mean like legal typos, I mean things that my eight-year-old would have caught, right? And yeah. <laughs> and you know, well, who helped you? Oh no, we did it ourselves. I'm like, oh geez. Um so so yeah, don't like if you're out there and thinking about like trying to put this all together, don't. Um, if even if you technically could and had the skill set, I would still tell you don't because of just what you talked about. There's so many things that you don't even know to think of yet. You don't even know where things and to have some, have an expert like yourself walking them through, Hey, you've got a system. Yeah. Well, that's, how do we replicate that? How do we, how do we have all the training in place to, again, have those brand standards, but all of a sudden you have a hundred locations in 23 States. How, how are you going to handle that? And, and being able to kind of walk them through that is huge. So,
0: yeah. Um, I'll also say like, you know, my, my husband is an attorney um, and he would never try to draft an FDD. <laughs> oh my gosh. Both bit, of you
1: with two in the same house.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's uh. a litigator. So we do a, a lot, of different things. but, um, <laughs> it's like, a, we know enough that we can like, you know, talk shop at the end of the day, but not enough to kind of, um, play with each other about how we did things, you know? Uh, so it's good. It's a good balance, but, um, but I mean, and I only say that just to illustrate that it's really a specific skill set. Um, there are things in the FTC rule that unless you've read it a thousand times, I wouldn't suggest you try to interpret on your own. Um, the first few that I ever attempted to draft, um, were heavily supervised by an experienced attorney, um, who taught me, you know, how to do it. Right. So it's not like I went to law school and I came out with this knowledge, like it's practiced over years and years and years and honed. um, and and part of that is that the FTC rule, it requires you to include so much. And if you don't have that item in your system, for example, like if you don't have a POS system, it requires a negative disclosure, right? That, oh, we don't have this. So a lot of the ones I get that are kind of like, I like to call them homegrown FTDs, um, they don't, you know, they may include the information that they think they need to include, but they're not including you know, a negative disclosure, for example. So there's just so many nuances to it. And, and, you know, if I hadn't been doing it for the number of years, uh, that I, that I have, I I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't attempt it without, um, some supervision. And I, I honestly remember doing the very first one and it was extremely overwhelming. Um, even with somebody, you know, from somebody that had a law degree, um and have been practicing as a corporate practitioner for several years. The very first um one that I did took me, you know, probably six months to get completely right with the supervision of somebody that had been doing it for a lot of years. So yeah, it's just um it's just a special skill set. And you know it's not I'm not here to kind of pump up what I do, but it's just gonna save you so much time and energy to um engage professionals. Um, in that and then other parts of the process, also you know, and certainly in what you do tim and other people that that work in our industry, you know it's it's very niche and and it's people are here to help.
1: I'll definitely you know pump pump you up for what you do and how you do it because I, you, you've been fantastic to work with and and just like our actual like a real human being behind all of this too, which I think is refreshing for people because this is this can be a little scary, um but always you talk about the the specialization. It's not uncommon for somebody that we're working with to go, oh, well, no, we've got a family attorney or I've got this I'm like, no, no, no. Right. It's like I was going kind to of use the analogy. Imagine you're going through a divorce and you're like, hey, I had this accident attorney I used last year. That guy was really good. I'll use them for the divorce. Dude, you're going to end up with the shirt on your back and nothing else because that attorney is accident attorney, not divorce. You need a franchise attorney when you're looking at franchise stuff, whether it's you're about to become a franchisee or you're trying to become a franchisor. you need basically let me, let me, everybody listen, you need Amanda, right? So, um, <coughs> So I I know I know how busy you are and I greatly appreciate your time and talking us through this a little bit and kind of making it a little less scary and intimidating and overwhelming. But um, I'm not letting you off the hook just yet. So I guess last thing, is there maybe anything we haven't talked about that you would just want people to know when you're thinking of kind of the legal side in the franchising world?
0: Yeah, well, I do think... Um... You know, just, you know, for anybody that's listening, certainly, I think that at times um, they are, you know, they're not wanting to reach out to attorneys or auditors or accountants or those type of business advisors off the bat because it seems overwhelming or expensive or something like that. And so, I mean, one of my very favorite things about the franchise industry is really how much um, people are there to help each other, even competitors, um, are really there to kind of share um, that to me was kind of one of the biggest kind of gems of the pandemic uh, was just seeing how people really uh, pulled together and to help each other kind of get through this and that's that's really kind of to me really it's just kind of the way the industry is generally and it was really highlighted during that time. so I mean certainly, I think that if somebody's looking to get um into the industry, whether they're you know a seasoned entrepreneur that wants to buy, you know, a pack of franchises or if they are just buying their first unit because they want to be their own boss. Um, please do reach out to to someone in the industry to just get some advice because, um, I think that, you know, personally for me, I think that it can be a great, great step for someone who has a passion, um, I really believe in franchising as a method for creating business ownership for people that, you know, need some, maybe some extra support, right? Um, so you're not out there on your own, just, you know, trying to figure everything out. You know, you have this kind of blueprint to work off of and this support system to help you. But I have seen so many people purchase franchises really without doing their homework and they just find out too late that it just wasn't the right fit for them. Um, and unfortunately you know, there might've been a different system that was the right fit for them, or maybe a different concept that they're really passionate about that they should have gone with, right? So there's just so many options out there in the industry. So if you're considering it as a path to business ownership, which is one that I really actually, you know, wholeheartedly support, um, you know, find somebody, whether it's me or Tim or somebody else in the industry that can help you kind of select one that's going to work for you and that meets your goals because like I guarantee you there's so many out there um that you know they involve different levels of involvement different types of businesses different industry verticals there's just so many options and I just hate to see it when people pick the wrong one for whatever reason you know so um it makes sense certainly to kind of know thyself um and go after the one that makes that that fits with you and um there's just many people out there that can kind of help you identify that so that's really kind of my two cents on it um you know i personally believe in the model and i think it's great for communities um people huge opportunities but i think you know unfortunately the downside of it sometimes comes when it's just really not a great fit so just find your family, you know that's i guess maybe that's my biggest advice
1: <laughs> no without what that is there there's not it's not one size fits all Um, and what's going to be the best fit for person one is going to be the worst fit for person two. So without question um, on that. So I I appreciate you sharing that too, because that's, I always think that's probably our biggest, biggest mantra we try to get across to people is this is the best thing for you. Um, That's, that's the key. So Amanda, I cannot thank you enough for the time you spent with us today and, and talking us through everything. So thank you so much for coming on.
0: Yeah, my absolute pleasure. It's great talking to you always. And um, yeah, thanks for having me.
1: You are welcome. And for all of our loyal podcast listeners, we hope the Franchising 101 series continues to provide insight into the amazing possibilities that can be achieved as a franchise owner. Uh, Be sure to follow us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast um, so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to check out the Franchising 101 website, which is literally franchising101podcast.net or our main site, which is francoach.net. And if you'd like to learn more about becoming a franchise owner, send us a message on one of those two sites. Uh, Let's set up a brief introductory call. There's never any fee for our service. We encourage you to take that first step today to create your better tomorrow. Thanks everybody for listening and we look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to Francoach's Franchising 101 podcast, where our ultimate goal is to help educate you on all things franchising so you can create your better tomorrow.